0: The text for this morning's message is found in the book of John, chapter 14, and we'll be reading verses 15 to 24. This text brings us to the upper room where Jesus is instructing his disciples one last time on the night before he died. John chapter 14, beginning at verse 15. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not in the world? And Jesus answered him, if a man loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words and the word which you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. Today's message
1: is the converse of the message from two weeks ago. And I know many of you were not here two weeks ago, and so let me sum it up in a word. Uh, Two weeks ago, the point was, if we try to work for God without worshiping God, it results in joyless legalism. Work minus worship. Results in legalism. It magnifies willpower, not the worth of God. You try to work when you don't worship the Lord. If you try to do things for God without delighting in God, you do him a dishonor, not an honor. Serving God without savoring God in the soul is vain. It's empty. Now, the converse is this. Savoring God without serving God is phony. Or worshiping the worth of God without walking in the will of God is pure self-deception. We're just kidding ourselves if we gather in this new sanctuary in order to magnify the name of God on Sunday, and walk out with no commitment to his will on Monday. It's phony. it's unreal. The test of authenticity in a new sanctuary on Sunday when we worship is obedience on Monday. Now, my desire, and I think it's the desire of almost everybody in this room, is that we be authentic. That when we gather in this new room to worship, we really worship. Our hearts really engage in love to Christ. That we delight in Him and honor Him and savor Him. Therefore, the test of that is going to be how radical, thorough, consistent... Is our obedience to Christ during the week. Let me show you where I get this out of the Bible. If you've still got your Bibles open, there in John 14, four times, four times in this text, let me read them to you. It says that keeping the commandments of Jesus is the test of authenticity of our love to Jesus. Verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Verse 23. Jesus answered him, If a man loves me, he will keep my word. Verse 24. He who does not love me does not keep my word. If repetition is of any value in stressing importance it's important to Jesus that we get this point. Namely, the authenticity of our love to Jesus is measured by our keeping His commandments. And if worship is the release of love to Jesus, then the measure of the authenticity of what happens this room on Sunday morning is what happens in your workplace on Monday. Did I say it right? On Sunday morning here and Monday morning there. It's very clear. This text is wide open to our understanding. And so my, my desire as we dedicate this building is that we dedicate ourselves to keeping the commandments of Jesus. But let's dig a minute. This, this text is very liable to misunderstanding. Very liable to misunderstanding. And I want to avoid one of those misunderstandings. The text does not mean that by keeping the commandments of Jesus, you earn the love of Jesus. It does not mean that we loved him so that he would love us by way of initiation of the relationship. Now, the reason I even point that out is because verses 21 and 23 are very open to that misunderstanding. Look, look at this. Verse 21 He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him, manifest myself to him. So Jesus says that he and the Father will respond to my love by loving me. That's exactly what it says. They will respond with love to me when I love them. Verse 23. If a man loves me, He will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. And so, again, it teaches if I love Jesus and if I keep his commandments, then the father will love me and then they will both respond to me and make their home with me. And so it's very clear that at least we can say from those two verses that the love of the father for us and the love of the son for us is a response to our love to them and our obedience to Jesus. That's right on the face of the text. Can't wipe that out. It's there. What I said was that it does not mean that we loved him first or that our love to him earns his love for us. Now, why do I say that? Because there are numerous texts in this very gospel which make that clear. For example, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him might not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, that love was expressed to the world so that the world could draw near to Jesus and be saved. That love preceded any response to God. So I have to say there's some kind of love from God that's coming to me first before I can love him so that he can respond to my love. Here's another example. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you, Jesus says, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you love one another. Got it? The command for me now to love you is based on the love that Jesus had for me and modeled on the love that Jesus had for me. You love as I have loved you. So we can't say that the responding love of Jesus to my love rules out the initiating love of Jesus that caused my love. And models love for me so that I know how to love. Here's one more. John 15:9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you, Jesus says to the disciples. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love. Just as I kept the Father's commandments and abide in his love. Two things. Notice two things in those verses. One, Jesus has already loved us before we respond in love to him. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And then he defines commandment keeping, not as the earning of his love, but the abiding in his love. So what can we conclude? We got two sets of verses four times in our text. It says that if you love Jesus and keep his commandments, that the father will love you. Jesus will manifest himself to you and they'll come and make their home with you. And we have another set of texts that say the love of God went before your love. The love of Jesus preceded your love. You wouldn't love Jesus if he hadn't loved you first. And the answer is they're both true and they're not the least contradictory. The love of God moves in on you first. He sent his son to die while we were yet sinners. Romans 5, 8. This is the love of God. And in moving in on us first, he begins to awaken in us the recognition of all he is for us. Totally satisfying, meeting all our needs, forgiving all our sins, guiding us in the future, giving us eternal life. And he draws out of us a response of love. And when that love rises to him, he responds to it with more and more manifestations of himself and abiding presence with us. So it's not either or. God loved me first, loved you first. But it's true. When you love him, he responds to you. My love for Jesus and your love for Jesus is folded in the front and the back with his love for us. In the back, it is pushing us on to love him. And in the front, it is responding and rewarding that love to him. It's from him, it's through him. It's to him, to him be the glory. Now back to the, back to the main point, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. That is, if you savor me, if you worship me, if you savor me, you'll serve me. If you worship me, you'll walk in my will. That is not a matter of earning anything. That should be clear now from what we've seen. That's not a matter of earning anything. If you will love me and keep my commandments, then I'll come to you. I'll manifest myself to you. I'll live with you. Why? Because you are abiding in the love I've already given you. If you want out, I'll let you go. But if you will abide in it, I will multiply the manifestations of my love to you in the future. Jesus said, "I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger." That's what loving Jesus is. Never hungry. It's just feasting on Jesus, enjoying Jesus, knowing him, resting in him, trusting him, savoring him, being satisfied with him. And that's why you will keep his will. Because what sin could lure us away from Jesus if he's satisfied That's what love to Jesus is, being satisfied with Jesus. And so sin loses its power to lure us away from him. And so I say the test of authenticity in this room, the test of authenticity of our worship here on Sunday is obedience to Jesus on Monday. Now, let's get practical here as as we draw this to a close. Uh, Two stories from my life. To illustrate what I mean, the first is from this week. It has to do with business practices. So, all you business people, it seems plain to me that worshiping Jesus is the most relevant reality in the business community today. Because a love for Jesus would revolutionize ten thousand business practices in this city. Because Jesus said, don't tell lies, and he said, don't be covetous. My son Benjamin, I negotiated with him uh, so that I could use this illustration, and he said that the price I had to pay was to tell you that he got his uh, driver's license uh, this week on the first test. And that he, he parallel parked our station wagon the first time perfectly without practicing at all. Uh, it's not an irrelevant comment because uh, he's got his driver's license now. He's under 21. I have two sons under 21 on my insurance policy now. So I I called the insurance agent and said, what is this going to cost me? I hadn't thought of this until he got it. What is this going to cost me? I have a 16-year-old and a, and a 19-year-old now on this policy. And she said, just a minute. And she came back and she says it's going to cost you $782 more per year. Unless uh, he has the good student discount. And then it'll cost you $456 more. So you can save $326 if uh, he's on the good student discount. And Benjamin has good enough grades to do that. And so they sent me this thing already this week. One catch. It's got to be in the 11th grade. Benjamin's in the 10th grade. No problem, she said. The print is very small. Just take it down there, get his counselor to sign it, we'll honor it, and you can get the $326 break. No problem. Do it all the time. It says right here. The unmarried owner, principal operator under 25 years of age is not less than 16 years of age, has attained at least the rank of junior, 11th grade as a full-time student in high school, or enrolled as a full-time student in academic courses at a college or university. $326 I could have this year. Just, just take it down there. It's done all the time. Jesus said, Take heed of every form of covetousness. For man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Do not bear false witness. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, knowing all that, if I had taken the suggestion from the secretary of the agent to uh, and then rationalized, well, the school won't care. The agent doesn't care. I'll have three hundred and twenty six more dollars to pay for this wonderful sanctuary. God's money. And I filled it out and sent it in. And then I had walked in here this morning and lifted my voice and said, I love you, Jesus. I save you, Jesus. I cherish you, Jesus. I love your ways. I love your word. I love everything you are. You are the satisfaction of my soul. You meet every need. Praise you, Jesus. Jesus in heaven would have looked down and said, Mm-mm, "John, no way, Jose. That's a fake. That's phony. I don't like it. It's not authentic." You're turning that new building into a hollow place for the sounding brass and tinkling symbols of religious hypocrisy. What do you need $326 for when you have me in your integrity? That's illustration number one. And my guess is it stings a lot of you. Hundreds of you have done things like that in recent weeks. There will be a few teams of people just standing here with little buttons on that say prayer team. And I just want to suggest that some of you might need to pray with them and say, I'm sorry, God cleanse me. I lied to a colleague this week. I filled out a form and said something that wasn't true. I did my taxes wrong. I parked in the wrong place. I'm always doing that. Here's my last story, and and I'm done. Three years ago, three and a half years ago, I was at Pizza Hut eating lunch with one of our missionaries, Dan Chalmers, under the television back in the corner. And I was struggling with this building and uh, its implications for missions, three and a half million dollars plus, when thousands of unreached people groups have not had the gospel in their own language have never heard the story of God's forgiveness and His love and His healing and His everlasting life. They've never heard. And Dan was sitting there, a missionary to the Philippines, and I was sitting here and I said, Dan, what do you think? Is it a good investment to pour three and a half million dollars into this building from a missionary perspective? And Dan didn't say anything. Got out his wallet. And he pulled out this $20 bill, I saved it. He threw it on the table, and he said, "Go for it, that's my contribution." And I took the bill, it meant a lot to me, and I wrote across it, "Go for it." Dan Chalmers, May 3rd, 1988, filed it away. I, I held it up three and a half years ago. I told you I'd show it today. you remember that? So what he was saying is, I'm a missionary. I believe in reaching the unreached peoples with the gospel. And I believe that the authenticity of what will happen in that building will bear fruit in obedience to the Great Commission. That's my confidence in what your vision is. Now, just to show you that God has a wonderful sense of humor in the midst of serious things, I held this up. And I discovered that day that it's against the law to deface a U.S. Treasury note. And out of all my 12 years here, there was an agent of the FBI in the service. And he stopped me at the door. I mean, I was at the door and he stopped. And he looked at me and he said, you know that's against the law, don't you? I said, really? (laughs) And then he pulled out this card. This is his card. Federal Bureau of Investigations, Charles Moffat Special Agent. And he said, uh, here. And he turned it over and he said, this is an official pardon for writing on the $20 bill. And then at the bottom, go for it. So I've got missionaries endorsing the program. And I've got the FBI endorsing the program. And I believe that I have Jesus endorsing the program. And we went for it. And there it is. And I praise God. And so my closing plea to you is that you with me now, as we dedicate this building in a moment with some prayer, would not only dedicate the building to authentic worship, but would dedicate yourselves to those two things that these stories were about, namely to radical integrity. Would you join me in dedicating yourselves to radical Christ-like honesty and integrity in all your dealings. I promise you, Christ will honor you in your business. Christ will honor you in your life if you always tell the truth, if you always keep the law, if you love people the way he loved us. And secondly, let's rededicate ourselves to the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Those are my two things. And let's remember this. All of our obedience to Christ comes from loving Christ. And loving Christ comes from being loved by Christ. And the very heart of being loved by Christ is that he gave himself for us on the cross to forgive all our sins. And to welcome us in all the imperfection of our obedience into an everlasting life of joy.